Oh. How about that? That is just fantastic. Hey, again, welcome. My name is Vic Francis. It's my great pleasure to pastor and lead this church, and, and it's so good to see you this morning. Let's pray as we, as we go towards our moment of color for this morning at least. So, God, we thank you for already the life that we feel inside of us because of a connection with the risen Jesus. Um, it would be hard not to, but we are exhilarated nevertheless to again focus on what Jesus is and who he is. And Lord, we pray for moments of color collectively and moments of color individually for us this morning as we, as we work through, as we think about, and as we are open to you um, this morning. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It is a wonderful thing to do Easter Sunday on April Fool's Day, don't you think? Has, has anybody been uh, uh, pranked? <laughs> Have you been pranked? What, what happened? Uh-huh. <laughs> and it was a prank on April Fool's Day. Oh, there you go. Okay. So anybody else? Anybody kind of kids put salt in the fleur? What did you do? Salt in her coffee. Poppy, Poppy, there's an idea. Well done, fleur. I bet she noticed. <laughs> Anyone else? Michael, what did you a Fijoa wrapped as a chocolate egg, can you? There you go. I actually prefer a Fijoa to chocolate, so that would be a really good prank to do to me sometime. Anybody else? Anybody? I don't know. Is, is, it a, is it a thing these days? I don't know. Do you know it's the first Easter Sunday on, on April Fool's Day since 1956? Only I would know something like that. And only three times this century is, is uh, Easter Sunday going to be on April Fool's Day. It doesn't follow a, a natural rhythm for various reasons. And um, so the next one's in 2029, the next one's in 2040, and, um, and then no, none of the rest of the century. So we're going to have to wait for a long time until we gather again after that and do this on April Fool's Day. I, I'm not sure exactly why, even now I'm two minutes into my message, why I'm going down the April Fool's line. But it's, it's sort of tickled me all week and, and for the last couple of weeks that we're going to do a, Easter Sunday on April Fool's Day, and I think probably there's something about the sense that somebody's right and somebody's wrong, and there's a trick in the, in the trick in the thing in the end, and I really like that idea. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, so it's foolishness to somebody, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I, I love that in our songs, and I love that sense of us being saved, you know, that we're in process, so, so I'm really comfortable with that. Um, he also said later in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless and so is your faith. There's something about this Easter Sunday. You know, we can sing those songs with as much gusto as we like, but if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, it's, it's, a, it's just a grand waste of time. You know, there might be some endorphin leap or something that happens, but if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, then it really means nothing. And he goes on in verse 20, though, that he says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. And there's something that stirs within me and says, that is what it's all about. And so everything we believe hinges on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day, 
This is our ultimate moment of colour in the context of where we've been. There's so much evidence for Jesus living and dying. I don't, don't think most people, whether you're a believer or not, would doubt that he lived and died. The key thing is the resurrection. Did he rise again? And I've been pondering that during this week. It's an important thing for us to know. And even as believers, I guess most of us who are here today are believers, but even as believers, we have doubts sometimes, don't we? Can, does, does this really add up? Can, can we follow somebody 2,000 years ago, and, and can we know these things? I, I've been processing that a little this week, and I've been drawn back again to the empty tomb. And thinking of that whole story, you know, that, that Sunday morning story of going to the tomb to, to, to find their Jesus and Jesus disappearing and not being going. And a couple of things that I love about that, that whole story is, you know, if he had been there, they could have disproved that really quickly just by going to the tomb, rolling back the stone because it wouldn't have been rolled away. He, wouldn't, he would have been in there. They would have taken him out and say, see, you're wrong. And the other bit that I love about that story is the fact that it's a, a group of women who become the, the, the testifiers of the risenness of Jesus, of the absence of Jesus. And in the context of the time, women's testimony wasn't accepted as being valid. They weren't allowed to testify in court, you know, kind of a terrible thing. But, but God, in his, in his wonderful way, um, created a, a story that, well, it wasn't a story, but a story that you would never have done. You know, if you'd, if you'd been putting it together as a plot so that people would believe it, you'd never have women testifying for that because they would say, well, how would we believe the women? And I love that aspect of both the empowerment of women and, and, and trusting the story, but also knowing the sense that this can't have been a concoction. Perhaps uh, the thing even more than that, though, that for me is really significant in believing that this thing really happened is the life change of the disciples. You know, the disciples, you know, basically abandoned Jesus. There's sort of a few other threads and stuff. But this whole sense of them not being there, three years with him led them to abandon him. You know, a few days with him as a resurrected man, as a resurrected Jesus, was um, enough for them to die for him, literally to die for him. And so they would, they would um, and over the next sort of decades, they would be the pillars of the church in the context of meeting a resurrected Jesus. Death could not hold him. And, and then they would give their lives for him. And Jesus appeared at least a dozen times, it seems, to up to 500 people before he finally ascended into heaven. And, and there is this incredible sense that you, you wouldn't have been able to do that uh, in any way without having the story just blasted if it didn't have some basis. Listen to this. This is, this is just one of the stories of the appearance of Jesus, of the resurrected Jesus, and from Luke chapter 24. And we're going to be in Luke 24 all morning, so if you have Bibles, you might like to turn there. From verse 36 to 38, Jesus stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy, another translation says disbelieving for joy, 
and amazement, and he asks them, and I just think, this is the ultimate of awkward situations. You know that kind of moment where you don't want to know what to say next? It's almost like Jesus doesn't know what to say next either. It's like, hey, it's me, it's amazing, and look, and they're amazed, and wow, and we thought you were dead, and we saw you on the cross from a distance, and all of that. He says, holds him a hand, holds him aside, and all of that sort of thing. It's like, he seems to want to, come. I'm sure there's a deep theological reason for it, he seems to want to cut the ice to me, and he says, you haven't got anything to eat, do you? And so they cook him some fish and they get some fish and they eat together and, and he says to them, this is what I told you it was all about. This is what I told you would happen. Everything that had to be fulfilled about me and the law of Moses and the prophet and the Psalms. And then it says, and then he opened their minds. He opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem and ending up at 252 Forest Hill Road. It's just an incredible thing. And then he says, you are witnesses of these things. And another time he says, you know, kind of you're blessed because you've seen and believed. Even more blessed will be those who haven't seen and believed. What an amazing thing that we get to believe today. Uh, and so, so that convinces me that this is the truth. Another thing that convinces me that the truth is, and, and, and it's perhaps a less known thing, and we can't read it here, but it's just the history of the church. The church is magnificent. Oh, the church has its failings, there's no doubt about that. But through history, you can see Jesus, you know, the church exploded out of the empty grave. And, and, and as ne- the world has never been the same again. It's just this magnificent, wonderful, incredible thing. And yet, you know, you could say all of those things, you know, the empty tomb, the, uh, the transformation of the disciples, the way that the church has, has grown around the world, you know, over 2,000 years, and all of its various, you know, looks and feels. But you, could, you, you still couldn't prove it, could you? You could, still couldn't say because you know that it's something that takes place deep down in your heart and you know because you know because you know that Jesus is alive and Jesus is real. And on Easter Sunday of any day, we do it all the time, of course, but on Easter Sunday of any day, we get to celebrate and to know and to rejoice in the great things that God has done. April Fool's Day doesn't seem a bad day to do that. This is, today is actually the 28th birthday of our church as well. I, it's another thing that really tickles me that, that um, when the original guys who, who planted it, they decided that they would plant it on the 1st of April, almost as a joke to the community. And here we still are 28 years later for good or bad and up and down and all of those sorts of things. So happy birthday, Birkenhead Harvest Church, now Shaw Vineyard Church, and a whole lot of other things in the meantime along the way. And so we are in the fourth part as Stanley said, fourth part of a four-part series. It's only taken two weeks. We've met four times in two weeks, basically. Two Sundays ago, Calvin was here introducing that series, and we, he talked about remembering. Last week, I was here, and we talked about, um, what did I talk about receiving? You would all know, of course, because you've studied it um, deeply. Um, on Good Friday, what an amazing time that was, you know, just lingering in the unknown and in the, and, and in the difficulty of that time. We talked about grieving, and today we're talking about rejoicing. And you can listen. If you haven't been part of it, it doesn't matter. You can do a post-Easter process. We've tried to walk this thing. We've tried to pick up things and walk with them and grow and hear God and be part of what God is doing. And, and I would really encourage I think we've done it really well. I really do. And so it's worthwhile going to, even if you haven't. And then the biggest moment of color as we 
we've called it, of all is the resurrection. And we've done it a little bit sort of half-hearted or a little bit because we didn't really know. But let's do this, he has risen thing. So this is, a, you know, kind of both, you know, sort of in some of the more liturgical churches in the Eastern churches, in the Roman church, Roman Catholic churches, in the Anglican Protestant churches, there is an Easter tradition which actually comes back to what we'll read in a moment um, from Luke 24. Where, where the sort of a there's just a process and it's a and it's a it's a statement of a lifting of faith of of um, the leader of the service I guess saying he is risen and the people responding he is risen indeed so we've had a couple of little practices do you reckon we can do that so so he is risen, he is risen indeed. isn't that great to say should we do it one more he is risen he is risen indeed indeed he is risen it's just this wonderful thing. So let's go to Luke 24, and, and, and we're going to be talking a little bit earlier than the passage that we've just read about Jesus appearing, about the beautiful story on, of the road to Emmaus. The road to Emmaus takes place, I'll fill you in a little bit, we're going to jump in at verse 28 in a sec. There are two people walking along the road, husband and wife, we think, the, the husband's name Cleopas, we think that his companion is his wife Mary. And they're going home on the evening of the first Easter day and their world's been turned upside down. They're puzzled, they're sad and there's some new information that's just come through from Jerusalem that it seems like the tomb is empty. As they walk along the way, a stranger joins them and they, they share with the stranger of their, their high hopes for Jesus and the, the redemption of Israel. But, but now he's been crucified. And I, I just think one of, the, one of the most incredible verses of Easter is this. We had hoped... We had hope that he was the one to redeem Israel. And I think we, we, we got there on Friday night. But there will be people here this morning who, who you had hoped. I didn't think it was going to end like this. I had believed something. There's something in the Easter story that takes us there, that walks us through. We had hoped and this pain in my heart and my soul. And the Easter story tells us that there is a, there is a resurrection, that there is an empty tomb, that there is hope still ahead. We had hope, they say. But then they say, but we're kind of getting news reports through, you know, sort of just getting it on my feed sort of thing, is that it's the tomb seems to be empty. And the, the stranger explains that, that um, you know, that these things were necessary. And we're going to pick it up and read um, from the screen or, or with you, if you like, um, from, from verse 28 to 35. So, so they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going further, but, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and they returned to Jerusalem and they found the 11 and those who were with them had gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed. There it goes. The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. It's an amazing story with, with all sorts of subtleties that, you know, kind of you can learn and grow. And I, I, just want to, I just want to pick up a few of those things as we head towards communion today. You know, on Friday night, we were left 
man, that was an unusual feeling after doing church for a long time. It feels pretty embarrassing after pastoring a church for 25 years, and on Friday night we did our first ever Good Friday service. It's like, kind of like, oh, yeah, that's right. What happened those other 25? I think I had an Easter weekend or something like that. It was a, it was a holiday weekend or something, wasn't it? But it's so powerful, wasn't it? And Calvin left us, really. And we're not often left because even if we preach about things that are, you know, really tough, we always come to the end and say, you know, but it's okay because he has risen or a version of it. But on Friday, it was almost like, well, we went away and, and the way that we worshipped and had communion, it was like, yeah, yeah, but there, there's more. But I, I'm so pleased with how we did that because we didn't try and sort of shoehorn it all together. It was such a worthwhile thing to do. And so we were left with distance and dissonance. So again, listen to it on the... Um, website if you, you know, kind of if you, if you want some more of that. And what are we replaced with? And if we can kind of do the alliteration thing, you know, we're replaced with redemption. We're replaced with reconciliation. We're replaced with rejuvenation. We're replaced with rejoicing. We're replaced with these things when we come to Easter. And so Good Friday represents maybe this movement almost away from God. Where has he gone? He's disappeared. Distance and dissonance. And Easter Sunday represents a movement towards God of reconciliation and redemption. We have that opportunity. And so as we come to the end of our series today, this morning, we're going to do two things. One, first we're going to have communion. And then we're going to have, we're going to worship one more time. You know, hopefully with our hearts full and overjoyed, with an encounter with Jesus. I mean, how can you go out of a place like this on a day like this with anything but a song in your heart? And then we'll, be conf- we'll, then we'll conclude and, and we'll, um, you know, we'll have hot cross buns together and hopefully you're able to stay and we'd love you to stay if you could. In my reading this week, um, you know, the, the paragraph, I suppose, that has most inspired me or mo- most held me in awe in a sense is from Tom Wright. And he says, Jesus stood in the middle of history with arms outstretched to the past and the future, and he held them together, though it killed him. And when we stand at the foot of the cross, when we feast at the table that recalls his final supper, and when we share at the altar the feast that results from his one and only sacrifice, he is present, feeding us with himself. Today, Jesus is going to feed us with himself. You might feel it. I hope you do. You might not, but it'll be food nevertheless to your soul, to your, to your eternity, to your relationship with him. It's just this beautiful, it's a beautiful thought, you know, of Jesus being in the middle of the past and the future and, and, and yet and so much being here as well and being present to feed us. So in the emblems and the representation of, of communion of, of bread or hot cross buns even you could do for communion, couldn't you? That would be a really good idea. Why don't we do that? And wine and juice, we could... We, we represent the things that Jesus is, the body and blood of Christ. Another representation of the whole body and blood of Christ thing is that we are a representation now of Jesus here on earth. And, and there are some beautiful thoughts in this whole Emmaus story. You know, one of the great uh, thoughts that have is this, this whole idea of Cleopas and Mary as they're walking along with Jesus and Jesus is about to, about to move on. And they, I, I don't know, without even knowing who they is, who he is, they say, come, no, 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 you need to come and stay. Come and stay with us. I think what, no, what a great, uh, I don't know, trigger for us this Easter, even as we have communion, to invite Jesus to come and stay, to open our hearts, to open the doors. You know, I mean, maybe, I mean, a lot of us will have done Easter often, 
But maybe today you've, you've, you don't even know why you're sitting here. But something has brought you here. I want to suggest that it is, it is the presence of God or the power of God speaking into your lives. And what an important thing it is rather than just to let them walk by. But an important thing it is is to say, hey, no, I, you are explaining something that nothing's ever been explained to me in my life, and I think there is so much more, and I want to invite you in. If you're sitting here, you will know. You know there'll be a kind of a thumping in your chest, or you'll, you'll be feeling, you know, kind of, how, how come he's speaking just to me? Um, that, will be, that will be a bit of an indication that God, is, that God is, I don't know, wooing you, drawing you, inviting you. And we have to be open. We have to, we have to invite that process. So I love that whole idea of stay with us. I love that whole idea of didn't our hearts burn within us? You know, it was a little bit deeper. It was sort of going along the line. Didn't our hearts feel and sense this amazing contact with truth and, 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 and drawing near? And what an important thing for us to pursue that as a moment of color in our lives you know, to draw close again. It doesn't matter how often we hear the story. It doesn't get old. It stays fresh as we push forward in the things of God. And so today, as we take communion, may well be a little moment of color, may well be another embracing. You know, you might have forgotten. You might have drifted. You might have, you know, you, might have, you know, grown stale over time. Now, what a, what a day to say, you know, on Easter Sunday, April Fool's Day, I was no fool, April, Sun, April Fool's Day, Easter Sunday 2018, that was where I came back. That was where I realized that I hadn't been open, but something stirred in me and my heart was warm. You'll know, you'll know if today is that day, if it's an important thing for you. And then that whole thing, I, I love that, that process that Jesus does, of that he took, he blessed, he broke, and he gave took, he blessed, he broke, and he gave. Every, well, virtually every communion passage has this, um, whether you go to, to Luke 22, Matthew 26, Mark 14, 1 Corinthians 11, and here what we've read in Luke 24, he took, uh, he blessed, he broke, and he gave. And as a, both as a representation of Christ today, even as we participate. You know, Jesus is in this process. He's, he's, he's going to take us I think maybe a more convenient or a more, um, uh, I don't know, a, a, a way that we, can, that we can get on top of this a little more is he's going to choose us. He's going to choose us. He's going to bless us. He's going to break us. What does that mean? He's going, to, he's going to fashion us. He's going to work with us. He's going to create in us the things that we're meant to be. Oh, There will be times where it just feels like Good Friday all of our lives, all of the time. There'll be time where it just feels like all we are is being broken. And then he's going to give us. He's going to, he's going to use us. He's going to, we're going to see the other side of it. Easter gives us perspective on these things, even if we're in the middle of the being broken. He took. He blessed. Don't forget he's blessed. He broke and he gave. And then lastly, you know, I love this whole idea of that their eyes were opened. You know, an encounter with Jesus and their eyes opened. And the end of the poem that Rachel read this morning as we began our service, and then she hears her name and she hears love say the word that turns her night and ours today. This is an encounter with Jesus. This is a moment of color. So could you stand, please? We've got um, communion 
here and here and also down the back. We've definitely got gluten-free bread at the front. I'm not sure about the back, but probably we do. So if you need gluten-free, at least come to the front if, you, if you're unable to find it at the back. And this is what I want you to do. I, I, I want, we've, we've been doing this. We've had communion every time we've met during this series. It's been, it's been holy and powerful and valuable and worthwhile. It's been magnificent. So what I want you to do is to, is to um, grab some bread, grab some juice, and just to find, find your people and find someone else as well. It would be great if we could be in little knots and little clusters and maybe someone would be willing to pray and then have communion together. We'll take, you know, five minutes. It's, we're able to, to do that. We have the time to do that. And then at the end of that process, the worship team is going to come back. I'll just call you back. You can come back to your seat or you can just stay with where you are. And we're just going to sing, you know, coming alive again. And hopefully we're going to go out with, with the sense of our hearts having been warmed by Jesus the sense of being given by Jesus, the sense, you know, of being um, uh, having our eyes opened by Jesus and the sense of, of, of calling Jesus to stay with us once again. So let me pray and invite the presence of God. So Jesus, to the degree that we are able to be focused on you, and sometimes our minds do wander, and you understand that, I'm sure, but we do focus on you. We focus on an empty grave. We focus on disciples whose lives were transformed and willing to go unto death. Or we focus on the sense of reality within inside us that Jesus is real, that he is risen. He is risen indeed. And so while it's never any old communion today, doubly so, it's not any old communion. This is a communion celebrating the victory of Jesus on the cross. And we invite you to meet us in a moment of color.